Father, I, I thank you for, for this day, Lord, and, and I simply just pray now for you to come. Holy Spirit, come. Father, I pray that you would have your way in this, for the remainder of this service today. We just bless you. We thank you. I pray that this message that you have given me is honoring to you and edifying to those who will hear. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I also wanted to just, this sort of just came to me. I am so proud of Josh for being willing to kind of take a risk and do something different. If that blessed you, would you tell him? Because I want to encourage him, encourage him to continue to do that. As God leads him, you know, whatever it might look like. I'm kind of doubtful that that will lead to interpretive dance on his part. <laughs> but um, who knows, right? He may come tonight and get just carried up in the spirit. And we'll see the following week the results of that. I know he probably feels like I do when I'm dancing. I feel like it's, I've just received this body and I'm just learning how to use it. <clears throat> okay. Now, <clears throat> over the years, I have preached a number of times and I've done a number of individual sermons or sermon series on the necessity of evangelism. And, you know, it's a big, from the Greek, uh, but essentially it's just about telling people about Jesus. That's really the core of what evangelism really is, telling them the good news. And I've talked about servant evangelism, you know, which is this idea of serving someone and letting that be an entree into being able to maybe have a conversation uh, about Jesus with them. And so we've done water giveaways and we've done um, fairs at, up at Sedgefield, and we ha actually have had some on church property in the past, all as a way of, of kind of doing that, this idea of servant evangelism. Friendship evangelism is kind of the same thing, although it's more a case of just befriending someone and then through the course of that friendship, finding an opportunity to share the gospel with them. Once you've established that friendship, you know, the idea is make a friend, be a friend, bring your friend to Christ. So it's in that order, right? You don't just start with the gospel right out of the, the chute. And then we've also talked about naturally supernatural evangelism, which is the idea that we see somebody who is hurting, needs prayer, we go up to them, we say, hey, can I, you know, I believe Jesus heals people, can I pray for you? And then if they get healed, they're like, wow, what happened? And then you can then tell them and share the gospel with them uh, as to what exactly was going on. And so I would say that as a result of all of this teaching on evangelism, you should be pretty well prepared to do it. And you may actually be doing a very good job. But unfortunately, our lack of growth would seem to indicate otherwise, that we are not going out and sharing the gospel. And so that might explain why when I was praying today about what, or not today, but this week about 
uh, a message, God took me to a particular verse. And that verse is 1 Peter 3.15b. And it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Always be prepared. And to me, that's the key word, this idea of being prepared. And in the Greek, um, the word is hatoimos, right there in the middle. Not only does it mean prepared, but it also means this idea of being made ready. So in other words, you are ready to go to share this at any point in time. Now, I would be willing to bet that if I asked most of you, and maybe all of you, um, to come up and to explain why you were a Christian, which is really the essence of what sharing a testimony is, um, most of you could come up here and do an adequate job, give a coherent explanation as to why that's the case. However, I would argue that there is a big difference between a coherent answer and a good answer or a convicting answer or a heartfelt answer. And I think the difference is hetoimos, it's preparation. And so that's what I want to focus on in this message today. What constitutes a good testimony? And are there any examples in scripture that could serve as a model to us? And then finally, how would I go about preparing one? Not me, you. So we're going to try and answer all of those questions today. All right. So really, a good testimony is actually pretty simple when you get down to it. It's, can, it's made up of, of three elements or three major parts. First of all, what was my life like before I encountered Jesus? All right, that's the first part. The second part would be, how did I meet Jesus? You know, what happened, what event occurred that all of a sudden you saw that there was this need in your life and that Jesus was the one who filled it? And then finally, what difference has following Jesus made in your life? So in other words, it's kind of like B.C. and A.D., right? Before Christ and after Christ, you know. What was life like before and what was life like after? And then what was that event or how did you come to know him in between those two times? Now, there's one more element to a good testimony. Good testimony is not very long. And this is why I said coherent but my guess is it would probably be, it would take you a while to kind of find your legs and, and to, to, to get it all out and to really um, share everything that you would like to share. Um, but you should be able to give your testimony in three minutes. Okay, so you should be able to cover those three points in about three minutes. So we want to... And the reason for that is really, uh, there's a couple of reasons actually. First of all, this is a pretty fast-paced society we live in. And the odds that if you are in, in an encounter with someone, especially someone that you may not know well, they're not going to sit there for half an hour and let you expound on the gospel and everything that you know is, is on your heart. 
you have a limited amount of time likely to share. And so you want to be able to use that time as best you can and to, to be able to share in a very meaningful, impactful way. Uh, salespeople often refer to this as the elevator pitch, okay? And that was a, a kind of really started around the time of the whole internet boom, was kind of when that really gained a lot of favor. And that, an elevator pitch is, is just, it's a brief, persuasive speech that a salesman is gonna use to highlight their particular product or service in the time that they would spend in an elevator, which is typically about 20 to 30 seconds. You know, so you run into someone, you don't have much time, so what all of the sales books will tell you is you want to make sure that you have a way to get somebody's attention in 20 to 30 seconds. So that's the idea behind an elevator pitch. Um, but I, in my magnitude, I'm going to give you six to nine times as much time for your testimony. Now, how did I arrive at three minutes? Well, it wasn't exactly arbitrary, and it wasn't me either. Um, it was pretty simple. I actually took an example of Paul sharing his testimony from the book of Acts, which was Acts 21, excuse me, Acts chapter 21, verses 1 through 21. And I timed myself as I read it. And it took about two minutes and 55 seconds. So I'm going to read it now, straight through. If you would like to time me, feel free. We'll see how I do this time. <clears throat> and I'm leaving out verse 2 because that is a, uh, it's kind of an editorial comment. It's not part of his testimony. So there we are, 21, 1, and 3 through 21. Go. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. I am a Jew, born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of the way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as the high priest and all the council themselves can testify. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and I heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, the Lord said, and go, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus, because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. A man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. 
And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, the God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem and was praying at the temple, I fell into a trance. And I saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately, because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your mortar Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Okay, did anyone keep time? So I'm consistent if nothing else. So, now, oh, really? Well, then I'm sorry. You're right. I have 22 actually in my notes here, so I apologize. I was close. That's what you want your pastor, right? Oh, I was close. (laughs) Yes, I'm a biblical scholar. All right, well, now that we've cleared that little problem up. But you can can see from listening to that that Paul could have said a lot. I mean, this is getting close to the end of his time here on earth. He's been through a lot of stuff. So there's a lot that he could have put in that. And yet, in roughly 20 sentences... In about three minutes, he shared his testimony to these people um, and uh, did it in a way, I think, that was largely effective. So I want to go back through it now, and I want to see if we actually can see these specific parts in Paul's testimony. So first of all, let's look. And see, I actually got it right there, so I'm I'm only half stupid. Um... (laughs) So let's see if he gets it right. So the first part that we talked about is, what was your life like before you encountered Jesus? Okay, so let's read what Paul says. Brothers and fathers, listen now to my defense. I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in this city. I studied under Gamaliel and was thoroughly trained in the law of our ancestors. I was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of his way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison, as the high priest and all the council can testify themselves. I even obtained letters from them to their associates in Damascus and went there to bring these people as prisoners to Jerusalem to be punished. Now, I would give Paul a check for that. I think he did a pretty good job of... Uh, of being right on point. He, that su- kind of sums up what his life was like before he met Jesus, right? I mean, it, it talks about how he was, 
Uh, I mean, they would probably know immediately the fact that he studied under Gamaliel. Well, Gamaliel was a very well-known teacher. Okay, so that, that would have meant something to them. So he's being very specific in this, and that's important. Um, he's also, you know, he knows who his audience is to a certain extent, so he's able to craft this in such a way that is meaningful to them. Uh, and so he's, he really just talks about this, and I mean, he's very forthright, he, I mean, and he talks about what was going on in his life. And in fact, there was a good bit of sin because he's obviously having people killed and beaten and, um, and all this. So he doesn't really hold back from, from talking about the bad stuff that was going on in his life. And so your goal when you're preparing to share your testimony is to give specific yet appropriate examples of what your life was like. You know, and that means attitudes that you might have had, the needs that you had, problems that you might have had before you met Jesus. And so those examples that you're going to give are what is going to establish you as a credible witness in the minds of non-Christians. So in other words, it's not that your life was perfect then, and as we'll find out later, you don't necessarily have to say your life is perfect now, because it's not. Trust me. If you think it is, we can talk later. Um, but you want, to be, you want to be credible to people that you're talking to who know there's a lot of stuff going on in everybody's life. But I think it's important that we try to avoid an overly religious focus when you're sharing with someone. You want to make it about Jesus and you want to make it about your need for him. So you don't want to spend a whole lot of time talking about church or church activities um, or anything that regards church really maybe before your life began or before you really met Jesus. Now, there's some exceptions to that. These are guidelines, okay? They're not hard and fast rules. You don't also don't want to, to be too explicit or too specific when you talk about what your life was like before you met Jesus. You know, it's, it's okay to say I was an alcoholic, I was a drug addict, I was addicted to pornography or whatever the case may be in your particular instance. But you don't have to recount every Friday night that you were falling down drunk and all the various things that you did. That, that's being a little too much information, if you get my drift. So, you know, be specific, but you don't have to be explicit in, in doing so. Okay? <clears throat> all right, so let's look at part two of Paul's testimony. Uh, and this is supposed to relate to how you met Jesus. Now, we've got to admit at the outset, Paul's got one of the greatest I met Jesus stories ever. Okay? It's, and this is the, the hard part, I think, for a lot of people is they think, oh, I wish my testimony were more like Paul's because it's so dramatic and so on and so forth. Well, you know, that, that, would, that would be great. And I think there are some people that have those kinds of testimonies where they are just radically changed in a heartbeat, in a moment in their lives where they all of a sudden realize something. But what you have to understand is for the vast majority of people, that's not the case. And it's okay you know, that you may have a rather what you think is a mundane story about how you met Jesus, 
right? It could have been someone sharing their testimony with you. And so however that came to be, you just want to be, um, you know, honest and specific, but it, you know, it does not have to be, it needs to, it needs to be interesting, <clears throat> but it doesn't have to be dramatic, okay? So let's look at what Paul says. About noon, as I came near Damascus, suddenly a bright light from heaven flashed around me. I fell to the ground and heard a voice say to me, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord, I asked. I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting, he replied. My companions saw the light, but they did not understand the voice of him who was speaking to me. What shall I do, Lord, I asked. Get up, said the Lord, and go into Damascus. There you will be told all that you have been assigned to do. My companions led me by the hand into Damascus because the brilliance of the light had blinded me. Okay, well, I think we give Paul another check for completing part two accurately. And like I said, that's, you know, that's pretty dramatic. So your goal in writing this is going to be to make sure that your listener walks away from the conversation with a very clear understanding of how you became a Christian or how he or she can trust Christ for the payment of their sins. And once again, you know, we need to be very careful about drifting into churchy or religious language. You want to keep it at their level because, and this is more true now than it has ever been, people don't understand, they don't have a church background, okay? That's not always been the case. For a long time, people at least were brought up in church. <coughs> and so they may have understood at least some of what these words were. They, that's not the case now. So you want to talk in terms that they will understand. <clears throat> Finally now, let's look at part three. And this is about life after Jesus. Okay. <coughs> a man named Ananias came to see me. He was a devout observer of the law and highly respected by all the Jews living there. He stood behind me, beside me and said, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that very moment, I was able to see him. Then he said, The God of our ancestors has chosen you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear the words from his mouth. You will be his witness to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. When I returned to Jerusalem, I was praying at the temple. I fell into a trance and saw the Lord speaking to me. Quick, he said, leave Jerusalem immediately because the people here will not accept your testimony about me. Lord, I replied, these people know that I went from one synagogue to another to imprison and beat those who believe in you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I stood there giving my approval and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then the Lord said to me, Go, I will send you far away to the Gentiles. Okay, I th personally, I think Paul's three for three here. He's talking about 
you know, his life after Christ. And in this case, he's being specific. He's really talking about the direction that he received as a, as a part of, or as a result of his relationship with Jesus. It's, it's almost like he's talking about his career change, right? You know, he's now to go to be with the Gentiles and to spread the word there. And so your goal in writing this out is going to be to explain the specific ways that Jesus has changed your life. To show that having Jesus as a part of your life really does make a difference. Now, you want to avoid using a general statement like, oh, I, I have so much peace now. Okay, you may, and that's great, but that's not really specific enough. So you want to be specific about what has changed. You know, what kind of changes has this made in, in you and in the way you interact with the world and the way you interact with other people, so on and so forth. You see, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to draw someone to Jesus. Okay? But you want to communicate your story in such a way that they can see that your life is different and more meaningful as a result of the interaction that you've had. But I'd like to close today um, to share, with sharing a story of a man named Matt. <clears throat> and Matt said this, he says, I had just purchased a nice pair of new hiking boots and I wanted to buy some durable socks to accompany the boots. So I did what any sane person would do. I started shopping on Amazon. But I didn't just look at the company's product description. I carefully read the customer reviews. A particular brand and style caught my eye, a three-pack of Carhartt brand work socks. Here's how the company described the socks. Our Cotton Crew work socks give you the extra cushioning and toughness you need to work hard all day long. Premium cotton provides soft comfort, and the full reinforcement means the sock will hold up wear after wear. But the numerous five-star customer reviews were even better. Wayne from Oklahoma writes, these socks are good looking. They wear like iron. They have ample padding in the heel. It will surprise me if I buy another brand. Double D from Dallas proclaims, I can't believe how comfortable these socks are. I can wear them all day and they are still comfortable. They are perfect for me. Highly recommended, exclamation, 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 exclamation. So these people are certainly more than willing to share their sock stories. Now essentially customer reviews are what used to be called testimonials. In other words, their personal stories about how the product impacted the customer's life. Now, some experts claim that up to 85% of shoppers trust customer reviews. Now, of course, Jesus is not a product for sale. But if thousands of people can offer their honest and heartfelt customer reviews, why are so many Christians reluctant to simply tell their story of how Jesus has impacted their life? Let this be the beginning of a change in you.
a change whereby you have written out your testimony, you have practiced it, and then you actually have shared it with someone. And so my assignment for the week for you all is this. Finish what you've started today. Use the guidelines. Remember what we talked about in terms of the do's and don'ts. Practice it so that you know that it kind of comes within that three-minute time frame and that you, you really don't have to read it. If you practice it enough, you should be able to pretty well give it by heart, okay? So finish it, practice it, and share it with one person. Now, I will, I'm going to give you a tiny little out here. It could, it's preferable that you would share it with someone you do not know. But if you want to share it with someone you do know to allow them to critique it for you, you know, to say, well, okay, that part was pretty good. It kind of bogged down here or whatever. So that you, have so, you get some feedback, okay, on how this is sounding. And I will offer one other thing. If you, at the end of doing this, if you would like to share what you have put together next week up here, I will allow anybody that wants to, if you stick to these guidelines, three minutes, I'm going to get that big hook from the gong show. I'm just going to pull you right over to the side. <clears throat> I'm teasing a little. <clears throat> but I want you, like I said, the, the timing of it is important. And, you know, you need to get to the point where in about three minutes you can share this. Okay? So this is not the time to share ten. This is three. So if you want to, be happy to let you, and that way you can kind of practice um, sharing it in front of people. If you like it, if you want to bring it up and read it, that's okay. That's 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 okay too. So anyway, um, let's have communion and then we will uh, and we'll go home. So Father, I thank you for this time. I thank you for this message, and I just pray now, Lord, that uh, that it would be used to develop heartfelt testimonies that will then go out from this place to touch the lives of many others. that as a result of this exercise, people will have ready a way to share the gospel with those in need. With an introduction as simple as, hey, can I tell you my story? <clears throat> and Father, we now recall that on the night on which your son was to be betrayed, he took bread and he asked your blessings upon it, and then he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take this, all of you, and eat, for this is my body given for you. And later on in that same meal, he took a cup, and again he asked his father to bless it. And this too, he gave to his disciples and he said, take this, all of you, and drink. For this is the cup of my blood, the blood of the new and everlasting covenant, blood that was shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of your sins. So whenever you eat of this bread or drink of this cup, do so and remember me.
John and Joan, would you come up and, and help serve? And Florida and Phil, would you like to, to come up and serve? Trying to hear that still small voice. I'm trying to hear above the
many times have you given me strength? 